You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 150. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for sure. I'm your host, Andras. <clears throat> I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Claire Klingenberg and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Hi! <laughs> hey, son, hey, son! Ooh, Claire is with us! <laughs> nice! Yeah, and I hope you don't mind that I just refer to you as one of the co-hosts. No making fuss about uh, guest hosting the stuff. No, and... you're regular on the show now. <laughs> Yes, you are. Yeah, I'm completely honored, especially since it's your 150th episode. Yay! Woohoo! It's sort of a celebration, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what have you guys been up to lately? Well, I've been completely heartbroken because uh, my favorite couple, um, this Irish lady who married her love of the love of her life, a ghost named Jack, just got divorced. <laughs> Oh, she got divorced from the from yeah. the ghost, right? And it happened four days ago, and I'm still I'm so distraught over this. You know, about Amanda and Jake Jack breaking up. That's just been terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's no, it's such a crazy speechless. story. Uh, it's such a crazy story. You can't even make fun of it. I think. <laughs> What about you guys? No, I'm not. I'm not gonna say it because it's just uh, the same old, same old with me. Mm -hmm. Traveling, 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 traveling. <laughs> you punted? Oh yeah, I've uh, I've been uh, around. I've been busy. I um, uh, we are now preparing. Um, this will be later. We can announce that, but we will are preparing next week. We're gonna have a board meeting with the Swedish skeptics where we will most likely decide on who gets the two awards that we give out every year the ah, the yeah. enlightener of the year and the uh, well what do you call it the fraud the <laughs> confounder of the year the silly person of the year or silly organization <laughs> mystifier yeah we won't be able to to talk about it more in detail until early january when it becomes official so i'm preparing that there was uh, also there was a skeptics in the pub last night here in uh, well in lund not too far from where i live so uh, skeptic business as usual you've been busy skepticizing Or yes, I don't know how to make a verb out of this, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we w once when uh, Jay Novella was here, uh, one in the audience asked Jay, "So how long have you been a skepticist?" So I guess that's what we are, skepticists. Yeah, skeptic <laughs> activists. Yeah, skepticists. That works well. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but uh, speaking of which, um, any news um, around EXO and the European Skeptics Congress? Ooh. Well, we've had uh, some news from our colleagues in Belgium that the date for the Congress will be uh, at the end of August, beginning of September. So that's kind of what we have. But also we know that it's going to be the 30th anniversary of this European Skeptics Congress. So that's going to be very awesome. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, we're lo looking forward to all the stuff that organizers are, are going to come up with. And, 
yeah, I think it's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, and and some of the program is already being uh, at least discussed and preliminary uh, put together. We call, of course we can't talk about it until it's final, but uh, it's it's taking shape. The informations, the information and ideas we have in our emails are is really cool, and I look forward to talking about it in the future. Hmm? Yeah. Wow. Oh, but, 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 have you heard that there is another thing to look forward to? Two weeks after the European Skeptics Congress, that it's going to happen. And that is Chicup Fest 2019. Ah, yeah. So the Italians have already announced that it's going to happen again in Padova. Fantastic. Uh, just, just like this year. Yeah. You going to go, Andras? Oh, I'll try. I had, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I'd had the intention to go this year too, but um, I know you did. Last but... minute, I had to change my plans. But yeah. uh, next year, I'm really hoping for things working out well and that I can be there. Yeah, it's a big thing, right? How many? I forget now. How many participants did I have last year? Um, or this year, rather, rather. This year, it was um, not such as participants, but altogether, if I remember correctly. The overall number of people participating in the different events uh, running parallelly mm -hmm. uh, were somewhere around 12,000. So yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of people. That's, that's <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah. Big bloody thing to organize. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Mm -hmm. But we, before we continue dreaming on about the future, <laughs> uh, let's talk about what has happened in the past and uh, what happened in the last week or so. Mm. And since um, you, Claire, are basically sitting in for Yelena, who always starts uh, this show with a This Week in Skepticism item, why don't you hit us with one? Okay, I will. So in 1972, December 13th, there was the third and last walk of Eugene Cernan and Harrison Schmidt on the moon. Uh, the last extravehicular activity or moonwalk of Apollo 17. So, Or at least something that they told us. Yes. To <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's as that's the last, and not only was it the, their last walk of three walks that started on December seventh and then continued on until December thirteenth, but it actually is the last walk ever of any human on the moon, as far as we know. So mm -hmm. uh, that's it's kind of an interesting news item, but it's also a sad one. I think the moon is lonely. We haven't visited it in a long time, and I think we should do something about it. So I think the 200th episode of uh, the European Skeptics podcast should be filmed on the moon or recorded. Yes, I mean, I mean, we just need some funding, but that's we can probably fix that. Yeah, just call up your Illuminati contact <laughs> and uh, Patreon.com/slash/theesp. <laughs> yes, leave your contributions there. Absolutely. <laughs> I already, I already announced at the company that I'm contracted to as a tour guide that if they choose to go to the moon, I definitely want to be their tour guide. So, so you're the first in line for, yeah, yeah. Yes, I am. <laughs> and what are you going to say? Okay, here we have this creator and there we have that creator. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It probably... I, I would be so excited that I'm pretty sure I could make it make it sound exciting as well. <laughs> so yeah, I think so. But but back to to the developments when this happened, when humans actually went to the moon, you would you everybody expected now we go to Mars, we will have bases on moon, we will we will do all kinds of stuff. But now it's uh, and I, I think you saw this also. There was a meme going around or some information going around. It's now as long between today and the Apollo travels as it was from the first Apollo travel to the first to the Wright brothers. Oh, yeah. So, so you can compare the the progress that was made between the Wright brothers to uh, Apollo eleven with the progress that we've made between Apollo eleven until now. Yeah, I'm disappointed. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, but isn't it really sad that in order for that to happen, the motivation had to be military-based? Yeah. The Cold War did make it actually happen. Yeah. Uh, they they allocated a lot of money to it, and yeah, today it yeah. is not the case. Well, now the motivation is we need somewhere else to live because our planet's not going to be livable anytime uh, you know in the, in the near future. So I think that's kind of strong motivation to go to Mars. <laughs> it, it should be, but it doesn't seem to be. True, actually, True. it doesn't yeah. seem to be. It's easier to get funding for war than for for saving the planet. Oh, yeah. depressing or some silly ideas about alternative medicine, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, mm. <laughs> more on that later. Mm-hmm. So thanks very much, Claire. Sure. My pleasure. Uh, so let's continue with uh, poking the Pope a little bit. And uh, that is not others' job, but yours, Spontus. All right, then. Yes. Oh, but before we go to the Pope, I just want to give a shout out to listener Steve, who I met at the local Skeptics in the pub yesterday. Uh, because he pointed out that we've actually missed the best name for this segment and that it should have been... Pontus pontificates about the pontiff. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's hilarious. So hats off for creative thinking, Steve. Uh, Thank you very much. But maybe the hashtag is a tad long. Uh, (laughs) So maybe we should continue with Pontus pokes the Pope. But I think it's a brilliant idea and I thought I would bring it up. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so what's going on with Francis then this week? Well, I think for this one, we need a little bit of music, and it comes here. And I reckon you should come home, Cardinal Pell. We know you're not feeling well. Perhaps you just need some sun. It's lovely here. You should come home, you pump. Yeah, I, as, um, I think several of our, or many of our listeners recognize this is uh, Tim Minchin's brilliant uh, a song about Cardinal Pell, the Australian cardinal that has for a long time obstructed and get, gotten away from justice. He's been uh, uh, accused of uh, sexual abuse and covering up sexual abuse of children for a long time. But he finally seems to have um, started to get his dues and there's some consequences for him. He is 77 years years old now, Cardinal Pell, and he's for a long time been counted as one of the top three most powerful people in the Catholic Church, Uh, and despite this long-time allegations. uh, Not only is he the financial controller for the Church, he's also one of the nine members uh, in the so-called C9, the Council of Cardinals, the big C9. (laughs) 
It seems maybe that his luck is beginning to run out. On the 13th of December, which is actually today when we record this, the Vatican announced a reorganization of the C9 and Pell is no longer among those uh, nine cardinals. There was no explanation given for the reshuffle, but Francis has apparently written to the prelates saying and thanking them for the work that they have done. So what's, what's happening? Well, the same day today, it was also became public that yesterday, George Pell was convicted in an Australian court behind closed doors. That's why it's been so secret, so we didn't really know about it. The conviction was of charges related to sexual abuse of two choir boys in Melbourne in the 90s, when he was the archbishop there. And I don't know what sentence he has got. It's not yet clear, not official as far as I know. But he will also be tried next year on additional charges for abusing boys in a swimming pool in the 70s. Hmm. Yeah. So finally, we've been waiting for this for a long time. I mean, the song, Tim Minchin's song, is two years old by now. But not a word about this from Francis. He just, in the Vatican, just issued a statement of this reshuffle. And not a single attempt by Francis to distance himself from, from this criminal or condemning these crimes. Instead, just a thank you letter and a statement from the Vatican that these changes was actually uh, already done in October, which I think is bollocks. Why would they keep that secret? The timing makes that quite implausible. So I don't know this, but I'm sure that they just, uh, you know, when yesterday the sentence came down, they said, oh, holy shit, we have to do something. Holy shit, that's what they say now <laughs> in the Vatican. We have to do something. And then they make up this story that oh, actually he's not been on the C9 since October. But um, yeah. It's also interesting that they don't say a word in the communication about the Pell's position as treasurer of, of uh, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So may- maybe Francis thinks that Pell can go on and handling that job from jail. Um, I, I'm not sure. But uh, somehow I, I also doubt that he actually will serve any prison time. I'm sure they will find a way to keep him out of prison. But uh, still, it's a development and we've been waiting for this for a long, long time. Yeah, mm-hmm. finally. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of others who should be uh, follow- following uh, in his footsteps. Um, I mean, not in terms mm. of uh, committing the crime, but being convicted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, one other uh, C9, I forgot the name now, but there was one other C9 uh, cardinal that was uh, removed from, the, from this council now, and he's also... Mm. accused of sexual mm. abuse. The worst thing is there's like really no long-term consequences. I mean, what, whenever there's someone who gets caught doing something wrong, the church will always claim, oh yeah, he was just possessed by the devil or something. And they always get away with it and their believers still stick. Of course, there has been a decline of uh, the Catholic church believers or people who identify themselves as Catholics. Nonetheless, you would expect with all the bullshit going on that that decline would be astronomical but it still isn't yeah Mm. yeah 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 Yeah, it's terrible they can still uh parade as the moral authorities yes (sighs) quite incredible it is madness madness all right thanks very much pontus for poking the pope Mm -hmm. once again 
Welcome. And uh, let's move on to discussing a couple of uh, news pieces that we've found out there in Europe. Okay, um, let's start with something that has happened recently in Italy. And that is not really good news, to be honest. Mm-hmm. We had a recent mm-hmm. episode where we fired all the, the good news and at, at our listeners. And that felt really good. Not this time, unfortunately. So, uh, you probably heard of the new Italian government that has been in office for since uh, June mm-hmm. uh, this year. And they are often referred to as the first populist government since uh, Silvio Berlusconi's one. And that didn't have quite a good reputation. Mm. Now, um, these ones are well known for a couple of uh, skepticism related issues, uh, namely being outright anti-vaccination and um, also supporting a couple of uh, dubious uh, health-related claims and uh, therapies. Now, um, the health minister, the current health minister, Giulia Grillo, is a member of the Five Star Movement, which is the senior party within the current government uh, coalition. And, uh, well... The problem is that uh, she made a very bold move of uh, firing all 30 members of an institution that's called the Higher Health Council. And this happened a couple of days ago. Mm. Now, the problem is that this council has been known to be the highest, not authority, but um, a council that politicians could turn to for expert advice on health-related issues and policies. Now, this probably comes as a surprising move to to many, but uh, on several news outlets, uh, people um, and um, journalists discussed it that it's not really that surprising because um, they have been accused, the members of this uh, High Health uh, Council... Uh, have been accused of uh, being politically motivated in their actions and in their advice they they had given to earlier governments. And uh, this means that uh, they they are now going to be, well, probably filling up those positions with with really politically motivated uh, uh, posts. So it's, it's... Quite worrisome, but especially when we put it together with uh, all the actions that have been made in the name of the new government. For example, um, they uh, overturned one of the previous decisions that had been made by a previous government uh, into uh, making 10 vaccinations compulsory. Uh, for uh, for children because of the issues, especially with the measles outbreak being at an emer- emerging state. But now they overturned it in a way, not completely, but uh, is- instead of uh, linking it to uh, a doctor's advice and uh, doctors who can confirm that the children have been vaccinated. Now it's uh, put to the hands of the parents uh, to confirm the vaccination has already happened and that kind of stuff. But uh, it's also mentioned that uh, there, there used to be this um, support for 
uh, stem cells therapy known as stamina that was promoted by Davide Vannoni, who uh, who claimed it could perform all those miracles and and cure all those diseases, including cancers. And the Five Star Movement had previously lent support to this. And, well, when we put this all together, whether the new members of this uh, High Health Council will be well-educated and uh, not politically motivated, but people with expertise, proper expertise in the field, is very dubious. So um, it's it's very doubtful that, uh, that this will not be a politically assigned uh, set of positions. So this is what's going on in Italy, and there is reason to be concerned about all this. Yeah, really. Yeah. Politicians should stay away from that kind of thing. I mean, it shouldn't be a politically uh, appointed uh, council anyway. No, it should. There should be some sort of insurances in the rules that it's not politically held. But yeah, yeah. And this was the original idea yeah. I'm, behind I'm wishing, forming this yeah. uh, this high health council. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they have been accused of uh, being politically motivated in their advice. Hmm. So. It just sucks. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, any good news somewhere? Well, I'm not going to be the bringer of good news with this next new item. Um, oh. So, it comes from Russia, as all good things do. Uh, <laughs> okay. No, okay. So, in Russia, we see this trend, which is actually surprising. It took this long to happen. In the sense that it's a way of rebranding homeopathy. Um, as we know, there have been recent crackdowns in various places, uh, in Spain, in uh, in England, and uh, when it comes to regulating homeopathy and the sales of homeopathy, and about making it clear to consumers that there's absolutely no evidence whatsoever that backs up that homeopathy works. So. Because homeopathy as, a, as, a, as an item is getting a bad name, our Russian comrades came up with uh, a new name for that, and they're calling it Release Active Drugs, or RADS. So I think they forgot we're not in the 80s anymore, but anyway, they're called RADS. <laughs> yeah, wow. uh, this is a new type of supplement, uh, which claims, of course, to have very, very well-established scientific background, and... Um, when you look at ingredients, it actually just is homeopathy in a different kind of uh, packaging. The first person to uh, take note of this was Alexander Panchin from the Russian uh, Academy of Sciences. He works on this commission on, uh, that takes care of pseudoscience and research fraud. And uh, he wrote an article about it. And that's how it came to Stephen Novella, who uh, wrote a really nice article about the whole thing on science-based medicine. So you can check that out later. Anyway, there's this, so this RAD, this uh, release active uh, drugs, all the studies and all of the articles about this particular thing are being co-authored by uh, one guy named Oleg, Oleg Epstein. But you know, you know, whenever it just starts with Oleg, you already know what it's going to be. <laughs> but <laughs> um, anyway, uh, it's just another way how to dress up alternative medicine. It's just another way how to dress up homeopathy. This is, uh, even though it, it's now just an issue in Russia, this is one of the things we as Europe 
in generally and, and worldwide we need to take notice of because this is a technique that other uh, countries and I mean in the sense that other alternative medicine peddlers and snake oil sellers will pick up on quite quickly and will start rebranding as well and that always kind of keeps us one step behind so you heard it here, here first guys make sure whenever you hear about rads you know what it is and you're not going to fall for it <laughs> I know. I feel that if you have to put in the name of a drug that it's active, then I think that's that's a clear red flag that it's probably not, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't have to point it out. <laughs> so, Pontus, are you going to have some good news? Uh, sort of. Yeah. Uh, it's um, about somebody who we have talked about quite a lot in the past in in the show, uh, Paolo Macchiarini who was a big fraudster. He was conducting uh, experiments, really experiments on human people, which is not something I recommend ever. He, what he did was he claimed to have a new uh, treatment for people who needed a new trachea in their throat. So he took plastic tracheas and he covered them with stem cells and he replaced the trachea uh, on people. And the problem was that he hadn't done his homework. He, his, he falsified his uh, research, so he wasn't where people thought he was. Uh, he hadn't made that progress and all of his patients died. And the, so, so far, not so good news, right? <laughs> <laughs> so the last time we talked about this, it was to, to say that the investigation was dropped. The criminal investigation had been dropped. He's been uh, dishonored and uh, his uh, research has been withdrawn, etc. But the criminal investigation was dropped. But now two families of the two of the patients who died have successfully appealed. And the chief prosecutor in Sweden are now going to reopen the investigation into uh, the crimes of inflicting bodily harm and possibly even manslaughter. So we will see where it will lead, but uh, there is hope that maybe he gets um, uh, some, uh, you know, because he's, he's actually killed people. So he, he, he needs to be, at least needs to be very, very thoroughly investigated. We will see what happens in the future. Well, yeah, yeah. Allow me to mention that I couldn't help but notice that you seem to be quite fixated on convictions this week. <laughs> okay, so... yeah. It's just, a, just a, it's not a hobby of mine or a special interest. It's, it's just a coincidence, I believe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Cardinal Pell and Paolo Macchiarini. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, does the name Charity Commission ring a bell to you? Oh, yeah. Yes. That is a UK authority overseeing the registration and running of uh, charities uh, across the country. It's for England and Wales. Uh, Wales, sorry. Oh. No, sorry, not, <laughs> not, not, not Scotland. It's just England and Wales. Yes. Okay. Uh, I think uh, that there might be one for Scotland, but it might be independent from, from those two. Of course. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And uh, they're has been in September 2016 the Charity Commission started a consultation and the result of that has been um, compiled and uh, new guidelines have been published uh, by the Charity Commission regarding those charities 
that are related to CAM practices or the promotion of CAM, so complementary and alternative medicinal practices. I, I came across this uh, on the Good Thinking Society's website, and they published and they, they made a couple of comments on different parts of these new guidelines. And uh, first of all, they uh, welcome the, the publication of these guidelines, which is uh, something that we do as well, I think. Uh, it is a good thing to have uh, all these clear guidances. However, there are a couple of things uh, that uh, need to be mentioned with regards to this. And uh, that, uh, for example, they have um, an, a very interesting approach uh, when considering applications from, from those organizations promoting CAM. They need to provide some kind of evidence as to how it will serve the benefit of the people. So as a, as a charitable organization, of course, they need to be beneficial to, to those following their, their uh, practices and their advice. So, first of all, they had to have evidence that uh, uh, the purpose satisfies the public and that of the public benefit. And uh, the burden of proof, which is another good thing, uh, in my opinion, is that the burden of proof is on the charitable organization to be. Uh, so when they want to register, they have to prove that they are eligible in that in that regard so that they will really serve the public benefit. But how do you want to find that out? When it comes to CAM, obviously, a skeptical opinion is that it doesn't serve the public, right? No, because it doesn't work, yeah. Yeah, so the Charity Commission gives a couple of uh, evidence databases that could be a point of reference. So it says, and I quote, in the registration application, uh, the applicant has to provide us with the necessary evidence that the method offered by the organization is capable of delivering the claimed benefits. And the detailed evidence databases are maintained by NICE, which is um, an NHS-related organization, the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence, uh, or the Cochrane database. Most skeptics have probably heard of that and a PubMed uh, database. Also, they referred to something, and this is a bit of a concern to me, the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health in the USA. Ooh. So, because they provide summaries of many therapies, including a baseline summary. Yes, but come on, those are not impartial to complementary and alternative medicine. So no. if that is an authority or a database that could be uh, used as a reference point, I'm a bit concerned. Yeah, they, they go into details as to how they need to weigh the evidence and the, uh, the, the different circumstances and how they meets the expectations towards a comp complementary and alternative medicinal practices. So it's a bit um, too vague, in my opinion. It's a bit too open to uh, subjective discussions. Mm. So even though it's probably a good step, 
it can still, and this is this is what the Good Thinking Society says, and I quote, Moving forward, our main concern with these guidelines is not in their wording, but in their application. It remains to be seen how the Charity Commission will enforce these guidelines, both for, the, for new charity applications and for the many existing organizations whose charitable activities include the promotion of ineffective therapies. And they also go on uh, and say that their concern is that the camp charities might just choose to simply reword their statement uh, so that they can comply with these guidelines and that's it. So it will not stop any kind of charitable organizations from promoting absolutely bogus claims in terms of uh, CAM. So the Good Thinking Society promises to take a keen interest in the future in how these guidelines are enforced and if any kind of action in the future uh, needs to be taken. Yeah. It's frustrating how slow these things go. I mean, the, the popular consultation was in 2016, and not until now has the have they presented the results of that, and and even now we're not quite sure if they've taken it, what's going to happen. So yeah, this these things drags on for years. Yeah. Oh yeah. And plus the oh, guidelines, yeah. they really seem like that they, they were, the people creating the guidelines were divided in between camp promoters and skeptics, and so the guidelines were created in a way that kind of both parties would be equally unhappy with them. And now it just depends on the board of who, which way they're going to sway. And yeah. Yeah. so it's really up to the members of the board if they're skeptics or can believers. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. Also, I have to say that uh, the first uh, results of the consultation were published a- more than a year ago. Okay. So mm-hmm. it didn't take that long but okay. the last update was what uh what really triggered the the good thinking society to come out with that uh, press release okay so i have some good news um oh good so from our spanish friends, from our spanish friends the skeptical circle in spain announced uh, the winners of their pepe cervera and jose carlos perez uh cobo prize so these two prizes go to uh, promoters of science and skepticism. The first one, uh, uh, is the Pepe Cervera Prize, uh, go- went to Lucia Galan, who is uh, a doctor who promotes vaccines and mm-hmm. speaks out against uh, homeopathy and speaks out against the uh, favorite vaccine autism bullshit link that keeps being promoted <laughs> even though it's not the 90s anymore so this this prize uh is named after uh pepe cervera who was uh promoting uh science in the media and uh, critical thinking as well and the second prize goes to jose Carlo, the jose carlos perez cobo prize uh is a prize for journalists who employ critical thinking and that prize went to marta de barnuevo uh for writing a huge expose article on homeopathy about the history of homeopathy mm. in Spain and uh, explaining how we know that homeopathy is just a very, very expensive placebo. So uh, this was announced and the official ceremony will be on December 19th. So make sure you check out uh, the Skeptical Circle Facebook and their website. And you can I'm sure you'll see a lot of pictures from this awesome prize. Isn't a circular skeptical uh, a member of EXO? I think so. Yes. Yeah, and uh, there are there are two 
uh, Spanish organizations. Yes, there are. There's the ARPC, APC. Yeah, yeah, and Circulo Esceptico, yeah. Cool. There's a lot going on in Spain. Yes. Very good. They, good for them. Lots of good news coming from them. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. well done. All right. I'm, sh- I'm afraid I have a little bit of pseudoscience from uh, Sweden now to talk about. Uh, the background is that national health services in Sweden are divided into different regions that administrate the hospitals and clinics, etc., geographical regions. And it's now become known that the western region, which covers Gothenburg and the surrounding area there, uh, covers actually 1.6 million people. So it's a big one. They have since uh, about a year ago started to recommend acupuncture for babies with colic. And this is now challenged, and rightly so, since this, as we skeptics know, it's very, very doubtful that acupuncture does anything at all against anything, really. <laughs> maybe there's a placebo effect, and maybe there's something to t- uh, against uh, pain and nausea, maybe. But it's very, it's big maybes, and it's very hard to say that it really does anything good. Now. I am a father of three three children who are now a little bit older, but all of them had colic when they were uh, in the first six months. Not for six months, but during that period, off and on. And I am full of sympathy for parents who are trying anything to to try to fix or do something about uh, colic. We had twins with colic at the same time and for a couple of months it was really really terrible and we really get got uh, desperate and as a as a parent you you would try anything uh, especially if it's recommended by uh, the national health services so so it's not easy to be rational during those times you, you imagine you know we went my wife and myself we went in Different rooms in the middle of the night. Every night we went with one baby in our each arms, and and we just you know, tried to comfort them. It was terrible. We didn't sleep a lot. That uh, those I think it was two months. It was really bad. Wow. But I still think it's really really bad uh, when uh, a public health provider suggests uh, pseudoscientific. Uh, remedies, especially to parents who are desperate to do everything they can. So uh, I hope this now is going, it is now being challenged in the media at least. We will see what happens. But of course the media will be full of of parents saying, oh, this helped a lot for my kid. But you you never know, because you don't know what would have happened if they didn't get the placebo. Right? Yeah, that's always the case. So this is, yeah. I'm Mm. sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right, let me let me talk about something um, that uh, why I want to talk about this is because it's a controversial topic, and especially so because autism is involved. So you probably know that uh, there are a couple of uh, countries in the European Union where euthanasia is uh, legal. And people can use this uh, method that is often referred to as assisted suicide as well for psychiatric reasons as well. And uh, if they are unbearable or untreatable and they cause a lot of suffering to the patient. But the Associated Press reports on this and um, it was back in the end of November 
And uh, they say that among Belgians euthanized for uh, mental health reasons, the most common conditions are depression, personality disorder, and Asperger's, which is something that hits me as a surprise. Yeah. Because Asperger's is a form of autism. So it's a very mild form of autism. It's part of the autism spectrum disorder. And it's it's a condition. It's not an illness. It's not a mental illness. It's something that people can absolutely live with. And it's it's not even something that needs treatment for that matter. It's 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 something that requires certain levels of attention, but that's it. I mean, a lot of people live with it. And why I, I find this really concerning is that autism is often referred to as this uh, kind of injury, a mental injury. And uh, you probably are aware that uh, the anti-vaccination movement, autistic children are being referred to as vaccine-injured autistic uh, uh, kids. And this adds to this this already out of control kind of kind of movement. Uh, so now there is some this case of uh, a woman with Asperger's syndrome uh, having been euthanized at the age of 38. Hmm. And now there is a criminal investigation going on with uh, this suspicion of uh, just criminally um, killing someone um, for something that is not even uh, a dysfunction. So it's it's something that is that doesn't call for euthanasia. <laughs> so yeah, that's a difficult uh, thing. No. Two points said. I mean, like it's terrible how uh, the, the autism spectrum in general was is so demonized. And I think that's mainly in part because of the anti-vax movement, because of how they connected, at, yes. or how they put it up as the biggest threat ever. And you know, and no matter the link is, it, the, the, there's no link or whatever, they still put it up as like that's that's worse than death. And uh, that rhetoric has just been hurting <laughs> people yeah. on the spectrum so much. And the second part, what I'm surprised about is uh, how you were talking about the story, the euthanasia process in Belgium. Uh, is very specific. Uh, I was at a conference a half a year ago, and one of the speakers was um, um, a per one of the doctors who talks about euthanasia and, and about the process in Belgium. And so he was saying that then when you get diagnoses, you sit down with a lawyer, your doctor, another physician, your whole family, and you put together a plan at which point you want to be euthanized if your diagnosis progresses, yeah. right? So what happened here? Like that, it seems to me exactly. they skipped like all the steps. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is this is why the criminal investigation is going on. And uh, yeah, that uh, this woman named Tina Nice um, died in 2010, probably without any rhyme or reason. Yeah. And so it wow. it must have been something mm? going absolutely off track. That seems like it. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. But I hope this will this will uh, trigger uh, new discussions regarding whether these uh, conditions count as something that's worth even considering euthanasia in the first place, because it uh, for for what it is. Okay. Well, Anything else? No, I think Pontus can give us some good news now. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's turn to to Pontus and and, and uh, 
if what you have prepared for us today is not really wrong, but instead really right. <laughs> yes, indeed it is. Okay. So uh, actually it's more of a, a medal of honor that I want to, to give out today. It's a, a real hero in my book, and that is Ovidiu Kovaciu. He's been on the show. He is in uh, Romanian. He uh, he's, well, he was on our show early on, on episode 38. I had to look it up. But we talk about a lot about vaccinations on this show, and we talk a lot about measles. And we tracked the, the developing measles epidemic in Europe since it started, basically, in, in 2016. And it's still going on. And the first country we covered was actually Romania. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because during... 2016, 2017, it was the worst hit country in Europe. Now, the measles epidemic is far from over in Romania, but it's decreased from like hundreds of cases per week during the summer of last year to currently it's like more like 20 or 30 cases per week. And Ovidio Covaccio has relentlessly fought against misconceptions and fear of vaccines during all of this period. And during uh, the years, he's posted more than daily, on more than da- more than on a daily basis, has been uh, posting in a Romanian Facebook group that he administrates, pointing out, uh, pointing to research, pointing to facts, answered questions from worried parents, which is the target audience for that uh, Facebook group, setting them straight without ever giving up. I follow this Facebook group, even though I don't understand a lot of what's said there, except when I, <laughs> when I, when I, you know, click on the translate thing. But I can see how 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 hard he's working on there. Uh, the the group now has nearly t- seventy three thousand members, and he's there every day replying and explaining why vaccines are safe, etc., etc., well. and why you should not hesitate to have your children vaccinated. Seventy three thousand members. That's actually I made the the calculation here, and if you round it a little bit, it's actually approaching half a percent of the population of the whole country. <laughs> That's really amazing. <laughs> Uh, over the last three years, there's been uh, 57 official deaths from measles. And even if we can never know for sure, I'm willing to bet that Ovidiu has saved lives during his never-ending efforts because he's getting people to vaccinate their kids. So, Ovidiu Kovaciu, for never giving up the good fight and rarely getting too much recognition for his hard work, he gets today's prize for being really right. Woo! Congratulations. Yes. Skeptical hero. Skeptical You're a hero. skeptical hero video. Yeah. We Thanks probably need to, we need to have him back on the show again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. But not on this show, because this show is almost over. <laughs> and uh, to finish the show properly, I'd like to ask you, Claire, to, to hit us with a nice quote. Yeah. So uh, I chose a birthday girl uh, for today's quote. I'm going to be quoting the immortal words of Taylor Swift. I'm sure you have not quoted her before on this show. I don't think so, no. (laughs) It must be a new one. So her quote is, We don't need to share the same opinions as others, but we need to be respectful. (laughs) And I think that point differentiates the skeptics who are effective from the skeptics who are not, as we can see with Ovidio and his patience and his diligence, it's about connecting with the parents and it's about 
being respectful to them because just saying you're stupid never really gets you anywhere. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't be a dick. Exactly. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> there you go. On that very cheerful note of not being a dick. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for joining me today, uh, Claire and Pontus. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, well, Claire, hope to have you back very, very soon. And we'll we'll see how life goes. But it, it, it was uh, really fun having you on this show back yeah. again. Thank Always you. a pleasure to have you. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. And on the, until next week, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. Paolo Macchiarini, who was a big, uh, what do you call it, skurk. Uh, lose the word now. What do I want to say? Bad skurk. guy. Skurk. Skurk. <laughs> That's good. I like that word. Doesn't <laughs> okay, like that. a frog? No. What, what the... Yes. Thank you. <laughs> So, Ovidio Covaccio for never giving up the good fight and rarely getting uh, now <laughs> for giving up the good fight. No, sorry. <laughs> I'll do that again. And uh, thanks to our listeners for tuning for tuning in. Sorry, thanks. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> Almost there, Andras. Almost there. <laughs>